So the, the last, a couple of Saturdays ago, we, we had a discipleship conference. We're trying to do that a couple of times a year with different topics. This one was covering pain, shame, hurt, guilt. In other words, I, somebody sinned against me and I have some trauma with that, or I sinned against someone else. What am I supposed to do with it? Um, that, that is available. That, that long form teaching from Saturday, that Saturday is available as well as if, if you, I'll, I'll print some of the handouts to go out on the resource wall. Um, but, but what we've also done over the last two weeks, and this will be the last one, is uh, it's kind of a two-purpose thing. We've, we've been preaching through Acts. We've been in a year, so we thought we'd give you a break by preaching about the conference uh, and just those different topics. So Robert Post, two weeks ago, preached on Psalm 51. Rob Laster, who was just up here, preached last week on Isaiah 61. We're talking about um, the, 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 how God interacts with us when we fail, as well as the God who all throughout Scripture claims to, uh, and we believe in those promises, says he is near the brokenhearted, that our brokenheartedness is a result of a sinful world, uh, but there is restoration and healing to be found in Christ. Uh, there, uh, this morning, I'm going to kind of wrap this up with, with one just about accountability, and everyone cringes because that is just not fun, right? <laughs> the, the accountability piece. Um, it, it, we'll talk about it kind of in, in, in two ways. There is accountability for I did something to someone else and I need to be accountable for that. What, what, what does scripture have to say about that? What does that mean within Christian community? And then accountability towards proactive uh, chasing after Christ. So, so there's, a, there's a I messed up or I sinned or whatever. Someone sinned against me. There, there's a, there are biblical things towards accountability which we need to make that right. But also, Christ doesn't just say, you are saved, now keep your seat. He said, you are saved, pick up your cross, follow me, and go and sin no more. So there's some proactive accountability. That's when we, when we were talking about, uh, we, we, it's not that you're required to be here on Sunday, but there's an accountability, according to Scripture, to gather with your brothers and sisters to spur one another on to good works. It's not that you're required to attend a discipleship group, but all throughout Scripture we see that humans were built to live in community and that accountability does not exist in a singularity. Try to sharpen an axe with no other axe. And you're just going to sharpen it with the air? That's ridiculous, right? We, we do it together. We do it as a community, and it's accountability. But accountability is not fun. And we'll talk about that a bit. Uh, we're going to put a little bit of a bow on this. There, there's two kind of, I don't know if they're ground rules. If I sigh a lot today, it's not because I'm bored. It's just catching my breath. Um, the the, the couple ground rules I want to talk about, they're in your listening guide, but, but you can just follow along up here with me if you'd like. Um, the first one, um, the, the ultimate accountability, when we think about realistically where we stand in relation to the God of the universe, we as humans, according to scripture, sins and we're removed from, from, from direct connection with God, from that perfect fellowship that existed for those brief three chapters. And, and therefore, we are now accountable for our sin. The, the scripture doesn't necessarily use that word. It's a modern word we have, but it is a safe, direct correlation to make that we are accountable for our sin. Now, before we talk about the, all the little ways in which we are to chase after that, I'm going to remind you and offer some rest right here at the beginning that Christ ultimately came and was ultimately and perfectly accountable for our sin. That, that, that is a way of describing what the work of the cross was. That Jesus was born as a human. He lived a perfect life. He, he uh, offered the perfect sacrifice and, and paid his, for the accountability that we incurred through our sin. So as we move on this morning, there's going to be a lot of you need to do this 
And, and that's just part of the Christian life. If, if, you're, if, if you're only consuming Christian teaching that doesn't challenge you to do anything, it's not coming from Scripture, right? But, but we're going to get into that. So, so what I want to do first is remind you that there is rest in the, at the feet of Christ's. Next to your name in the book of life is the blood of Christ that says, I, was, I held up your, uh, your debt and accountability for the sins that you have committed. They are paid for. And now in response to that, I want you to engage in a lot of micro accountabilities to live out a life that is a witness to what I have done for you to communicate that to the world around you. Right? When we talk about holy living or, or righteousness or chasing after Christ or following Jesus or being a disciple. There's a lot of different ways to describe it. We are talking about a lot of micro accountabilities that are, that are put forth in the, in the Great Commission. We like to talk about go make disciples, but it's not dunk them and put them in a seat and get their name on the roll. It's dunk them, put them on a seat, get their name on the roll. And then he says what? Teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. Inherent to the Christian life is a bunch of micro-accountabilities that are in response to Jesus ultimately being accountable for the thing we could not pay. We could not get perfect, but Jesus did it for us. And now in response, he says, believe and repent and go, pick up your cross and follow me. Do the things that I have told you to do. It's a bunch of little micro-things along the way. Love your neighbor. Pray for one another. Spur one another on. Hurt with those who hurt. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Give generously. Give selflessly. Think less of yourself and more of your neighbor. There's all these micro-accountabilities that come with claiming Christ. But first, as before we get really into all that, and I challenge you a bunch, find rest in knowing that it is a response and not a requirement. It doesn't earn us salvation. It is a loving response to what Jesus has done for us. The other piece of this uh, is, is kind of another uh, caveat or, or another ground rule. I, w- I want you to, this morning, hold in mind the difference between legalism and holy living. Right? Holy living understands accountability to be, God, to be to God's glory and in response to our salvation. Legalism understands accountability to somehow contribute to your salvation. Do you hear, do you hear the difference? Right? We're talking about holy living, and there, there, was, a, there was a movement kind of in the 90s, early 2000s, maybe even back into the 80s, called like the holiness movement that created a lot of church hurt. There was a lot of that. And so now, anytime people want to talk about holy living, they just hear holiness movement and they assume legalism. It's not fair for uh, the wrong assumption to get to own a word. So let's just remove anything. When we think about holy living, we're thinking about what Jesus says, follow me, follow me, do what I've said for you to do. Holy living understands accountability to be to God's glory in response to our salvation. It's a thank you note to Jesus. Legalism sees it as contributing to our salvation. I have more than once had someone describe to me a confrontation they received from a faithful brother and sister and went, aren't they acting just like a Pharisee? And so it'll, it'll go something like, hey, pastor, I went out to dinner with some church folks last night. I told a joke that I heard at work. It's a little off color and degrading to a particular group of people, but it is hilarious. And Joe said that the Bible says that, that we probably shouldn't let corrupting talk come out of our mouth. And, and, and he just kind of shut that down. And what a Pharisee. <laughs> In that moment, right, if a loving brother who is also committed to accountability is correcting lovingly and, and with the right intentions, we got to remove this self-defensiveness that comes from our sinful pride and be willing to hear someone who wants to correct us, not so that they can look better or bigger or whatever, but that we are spurring one another on. Like I said at the very beginning, the the Christian life 
Chasing after this idea of following Jesus is done together, and accountability is part of it. If we are not holding each other accountable, we are allowing all of us to be disobedient to the commands of Christ. It's not something I want to be a part of. And if the heart of a correction is biblical accountability, that individual is right to do so. Let me map out the rest of our our morning for us. You'll see on the listening guide three more things. Um, Maybe that's not correct. I wrote this and then I changed the listening guide. What's on there is responsive accountability and proactive accountability. Okay, we're going to talk about when I've done something, what am I called to? And, um, not, not, and then beyond that, what, what can I do to actively be filling my field of vision with a Christ-like lifestyle? In James 5.16, as a refresher, it says, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Because the prayers of a faithful brother or sister have power to do so. It's not about healing prayer. It's not this charismatic thing, but it is, again, pointing to this idea that we are in this together. It's also not suggesting that we, uh, you know, once a month we're going to have confession time and you come up here just in a line and shout out to everyone what you've done this week. It's about having an inner circle of trusted people who hold you accountable, and that happens in discipleship. The Bible speaks frequently of making things right when we have wronged one another. Couple examples. First Corinthians chapter eleven. It's what we, uh, what I always read when I uh, officiate or administer the Lord's Supper. He talks about the Lord's Supper, and at the end of chapter eleven, he says, "But if there is something out of whack in your life, if you have something that you are refusing accountability for, you should refrain from participating in the Lord's Supper." Just as a, a moment of introspection, perhaps sometime this week, you could just ruminate on, have I ever approached the table and taken the elements at a time when I shouldn't have? It's not meant to beat you up, but just to make sure we're getting in this mindset of truly taking accountability seriously. Uh, Jesus goes on, Matthew 5, 23, the general context is anger and disagreements with a brother, and Jesus speaks clearly in saying, leave your gift at the altar and go make things right. This individual is going, Jesus is still talking to a, to a, uh, a group of Jewish uh, hearers in that context. So he's talking about like temple and sacrifices, but it easily translates into our New Testament thing of, are you coming on, on Sunday mornings and in your Sunday finest and singing and praising like nothing's wrong, all the while you have just a trail of carnage behind you that you have not taken accountability for? Scripture in these two passages and other places suggests that our worship is out of whack when we have not taken accountability for the damage we've caused through our sin. There's a fine line here, okay? I'm sure that there are times where um, it is difficult to get something sorted out before the next Sunday gathering. Or perhaps that individual won't talk to you anymore. Or perhaps you, you, you just are unaware of every single thing. I don't, the, it can so easily slip into legalism if we try and make this list and, and check it all off. But are you at your core, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking to the heart, right? So in your heart, are you knowingly withholding yourself from accountability for, uh, for your actions? Are you knowingly in a place where, where you, if you're being honest with yourself, and if you would let a brother or sister into your life, they would be honest with you too and say, you are not in alignment with what Christ wants for your life. And that is repentance. And then healing that comes from that repentance. Confess that sin and receive healing. Not condemnation, not, not being beat down, not being made to feel small, but healing. That is what comes from confessing a sin. We confess them to the Father, and we confess them to a brother or a sister. 
And out of that comes healing, and it puts our hearts and our spirits in the right place to then approach the altar of worship in our lives. There's a seriousness with which we should take accountability with when, uh, when we, have, we have sinned against someone. Ironically, precisely because of our sin, uh, accountability is difficult, right? It, it can come out like we've already discussed. You may try to deflect by accusing someone else of legalism. I just I hear that a lot. Uh, in my my pastoral counseling type stuff. It can be a willful refusal of ownership. I'm not sinning. Or what I did wasn't that bad, right? Or what I would what I did wasn't that bad compared to the other, all the while forgetting that that we're talking about in comparison to the God of the universe who is perfect, holy, and and un uh, just free from sin. And we're saying, well my thing's not that bad. Maybe it's half hearted and a lame excuse for accountability. It sometimes goes like this. I said I was sorry, what else do you want? I'm sorry that made you feel that way. <laughs> There's all kinds of lame, stinking excuses that we want to call accountability. Accountability for our sins is difficult because we are sinners. We're proud. We don't think we should have to. Or maybe we're ashamed and we don't want people to know. And so we grasp at straws. Sometimes we'll even try and spiritualize or, or, or ref- our, our refusal to be accountable. You ever done that? Let me give you an example of how you might spiritualize refusing to be accountable. Well, hey, you just worry about that log in your eye, right? Or, hey, the Bible says not to judge. A couple of things. If you come to me as your pastor with that, I'm going to tell you to knock that off for a couple reasons. Own your junk. If it's yours, pick it up and own it and deal with it according to Scripture. I, 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 this just comes up a lot. One, as a Christian, you, you at least claim to believe that your sin problem was so deep that Jesus, a member of the Godhead, had to leave his seat at the throne of the Father and come down to earth and live a perfect, sinless life, die, buried, resurrected, exalted, for you to have forgiveness of those sins. You, as a Christian, claim your sin problem to be that deep. And yet when someone challenges you on, on, on your lifestyle or decision you've made, you go, it's not that big a deal. You see the contradiction in that? You're telling two different stories with your life if you're refusing that, especially if you're trying to spiritualize it. Further, it's not even the correct usage of those passages. Uh, passage. Jesus says, remove the log from your own eye so that what? You can help another get the junk out of theirs. It's not just everyone go to your own corner and mind your own business. There is inherent to it a, hey, be careful about um, beating someone else up while you still have this glaring, unrepentant, non-accounted for sin in your own life. However, get that cleaned up so that you can go help your brother get cleaned up. In the same way, the Bible says not to judge, sure. However, um, you go to 1 Corinthians 5. There is a, a man living in unrepentant, unaccounted for sin. The church hasn't done anything about it. So Paul says, I am removing that man from the fellowship. And at the end of it, he says, who are we to judge those outside of Christ? But for those who claim him, we are to judge the fruit of their lives. It is not judgment that is condemnation. It is not judgment that is meant to belittle. It is not judgment that is meant to, I'm going to stand in the seat that Christ alone can claim in terms of judging you for the rest of your life, but I am judging the fruit of your tree. And if it is bad and consistently bad, I owe you for your eternal sake to call you out and to judge that behavior. 
Paul says, ultimately, I kicked that guy out of his church for his own sake because nothing else would wake him up. And hopefully, maybe this extreme situation will bring his spirit back into right order with the God of the universe. Accountability has not been taken seriously enough because we, we just want to treat this whole thing casually. It's a nice thing to do on Sunday morning. Read scripture and describe to me how, how, how living out a Christian lifestyle is just a nice thing to do on a Sunday morning. We need to be accountable for our actions. We need to take seriously a life where the, the, that we are at least saying with our mouth that we're following Jesus. Prove it. Jesus held, uh, held himself accountable by living a perfect and sinless life. We are not going to be able to accomplish that because we are still sinners. But in response to his loving gift to us, we are called to give it a shot. Not, to, not like I'm trying to get perfect to earn it, but Jesus, thank you so much for placing your righteousness over me when, when I have not earned this. And so in response, I want to live the way that you have lived. And I rec- Jesus himself lived in community. <laughs> And somehow we think that maybe we can isolate ourselves and come close to what he was doing. It's not about beating each other up. It's about spurring one another on towards holy and healed living. You ever walked around with, a, with an unresolved sin? You are not in a healthy place. And then maybe later you've had that sin uh, 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 healed through confession and through prayer and through encountering a group of believers who hear your sin and don't run from you because they are also taking their own accountability seriously. Heartland does this so well, so well. It, it, it makes me emotional every time I think about it. Just the, in my own life, being, being able to talk about my own struggles without fear of uh, being ostracized. And the, 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 those of you who have come to me and said, Pastor, I'm struggling, how do I, how do I get out of this? And I hope that every time I've, rem- I've remembered to encourage you of like, what a wonderful first step, picking up the phone and confessing it to a brother that you might start to be healed and take accountability. It doesn't have to be this big, scary word. It is, it is a movement towards living in a, in a restored and a proper alignment with the God of the universe through the gift of Jesus Christ that allows us to even do so. Accountability does not have to be a bad thing. But if we continue to not uh, uh, take action and accountability for our sins, it, it affects our ability to worship our Lord. If it pushes us further into sin, it's disobedience to the, uh, to the commands of Christ, and perhaps most devastatingly, it, it tells a lie about God. Let me flesh that out for you. If, if we refuse to make right or to be accountable for our sins, and we live in disunity with one another, we live in ways not in line with Scripture. Because all throughout the New Testament, the, the, the Bible describes the church as it should be unified in Christ, and Heartland, thankfully, doesn't seem to have this problem, but I'll tell you why I'm even telling you. If as a church body, we, we, we just did not demand accountability whatsoever from one another, and, and, and a non-believer walks in that door, and what the Bible says about the church is that it should be an outpost for Christ, among other things, that, that we should be a representation of Jesus here on earth to proclaim the message. The message is forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ, but it is also rest in Christ. It is also unity. It is also brother and sisterhood. There is, there is joy to be found in a diverse group of people who share one of the, the, the greatest common denominator. But, but assume that we don't demand any accountability. And, and when a non-believer walks in, they come into this room and everyone's just, right, to one another. There is clear discord. 
That is a bold-faced lie about who God and Jesus are. Because we are his representatives. No wonder it's such a common refrain that says, I like your Jesus and I hate your church, right? In some ways, look, sometimes I think people just don't want to be held accountable, so they'll step into church, a church that's taking the Christian life seriously, and go, no thanks. But there are plenty of churches that are not demanding accountability and therefore are lying to the non-believers who step in their doors. However, you as an individual are not off the hook, okay? Because the church, this is where we meet, but I think we all uh, know that this, this, if, this, if this building just fell over, we'd still be Heartland Church, right? We, we gather here to worship and, and to spur one another on, but throughout the week, each one of you, if you're a member here, are, are according to Scripture, uh, a, a member of the body. You, you make up what is the whole church, so you represent him as well. And if you are refusing to be accountable for your life and your sins, you are lying to the people around you. In our relationships, particularly our marriages, Ephesians 5 speaks to our, our, the earthly relationships. God gave us those for our own benefit, but also in a, in a more eternal scope, he gave us those to show the world around us kind of an object lesson of who Jesus in the church is, right? Jesus is described as the groom, the church as the bride. And in Ephesians 5, uh, Paul is writing to how uh, marriages should operate, and marriages in part, uh, in, their, in their greatest expression, are, are, are mirror images or, or um, representations of Jesus and the church. So if you and your relationship have, are not taking accountability for your sin and you are just at odds, you are telling a lie about who Jesus and the church are. If that convicts you, please don't hear me beating you up, but hear me encouraging you to take accountability for the junk that is creating disunity, perhaps in your, in your communities, is creating disunity in your relationships, and ultimately it is not according to Scripture. It's not about uh, let's all be perfect. It's about let's all help each other kill our sin according to Scripture, that we might live healed. I don't, it's not about us all having veneer smiles and perfect comb-overs when people come in, right? That, that's stupid. It's, it's about a, a group of people redeemed by Christ who are taking that seriously, which means we are being accountable to one another and ultimately to Christ that we might live healed and whole lives and communicate more effectively the hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. Take it seriously. Now, let's, um, let's move into, yeah, I got just enough time. Let's move out of responsive and into proactive. <laughs> Excuse me, man, I made it a long time. <clears throat> I took some Dayquil right before, so this is a pretty good uh, commercial for uh, that medication. I was, I was feeling real bad, and I feel like I've been kind of powering here. Um, it's not just that I... I uh, look, we, we want to respond to our sin, sure, what well, we've just spent the most time on, because I think that's the, 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 the harder part, perhaps. But we want to be proactive with our accountability, kind of meaning like engaging in the spiritual disciplines. We want to read Scripture, we want to pray, we want to be discipling one another. It's not just that I want to make right what I've made wrong. I want to chase after the righteousness of Christ, again, in order to fill my field of vision with Christ's likeness, and so that I can continue to live in a healed and whole way to his honor and his glory. And that happens through discipleship, period. It, that, that's it. We, we use that word so often you might have stopped hearing it. Hear me now for like three more minutes, and then we're done. We don't talk about discipleship because it's the current popular thing to talk about. It is, but that's not why we talk about it. And we don't talk about it because 
um, we, we want to just shove a bunch of classes down your throat and just make a bunch of really smart theologians. I mean, that's a fringe benefit. We talk about discipleship because we understand it from Scripture to be, uh, I would argue, inherent to what we were created to do. From the very beginning, we were created for community. You go to our website, arlandchurch.cc, click on discipleship. We have a little definition. It's not like quoted from Scripture, but we, we tried to uh, kind of take all of what Scripture had to say about discipleship and coalesce it, and it says it is a life lived together, and then it goes on to describe uh, details. But uh, I'm going to argue real briefly here that discipleship was part of the human plan all along. God made us in his image. We are made in the image of God. According to Christian doctrine, God is triune. We talk about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all unique and individual, all God. God, by his very nature, lives in community. And he made us in his image to live also in community. We see but got placed in the garden. It seems like God would come down frequently and walk with them. We are meant to spend time together. And then, as he's creating things, he creates all the stuff around, like the earth, the sky, the lights, the moon, the animals, the plants, the fish, all the things. And after each one, he looks at it and says, it is good. He makes Adam, he says, he is good. And then he looks at Adam, sees his aloneness, and for the first time says, it is not good. For the first time in Scripture, God says something is not good, and it's not sin, it is aloneness. We were created to be together in this life. And you can do a whole lot of living alone sitting in a crowd. That's why we push discipleship so hard. I, don't, I, I care less about how much you know about the Bible. I want to teach you a lot about the Bible because it leads to uh, following Jesus better. But ultimately, I'm not worried about having uh, just a room full of academics. What we want to push you towards is a life lived together, living in accountability to one another that ultimately points to the glory and the gift and the rest found in Jesus Christ. And so be accountable. Be accountable. If, if all you're doing, I'm not looking at anyone in particular, I don't have anyone in mind. If all you're doing is sliding in, sitting in here, listening to Robert, I, Rob, whoever, and sliding back out, that's not the whole picture. There's more to it, and, and you will be blessed by engaging it more. Let me help you do that. Um, also, you, it could be that you are attending every single discipleship opportunity we offer and you are still not opening yourself up to your brothers and sisters. Go to less things and be more involved in those fewer stuff. Get, develop relationships here with your family, wherever it may be, that, that are taking seriously, living in accountability to one another, discipling one another to the honor and the glory of Christ Jesus, who doesn't want to hold us accountable to beat us up because he's already held us ultimately accountable when he went to the cross and took our sins and said, hey, look, I've paid for all that mess. And in its place, here is my righteousness. Now, what I want you to do is follow me. Take this seriously. Be accountable to one another to do the things that I've commanded you to do. And those are learned in discipleship. We're not going to get into all that this morning. Band, you can come back on up. Come on back up, however that word, uh, that phrasing should go. A couple of final thoughts here. Um, if you're ready to stop running from accountability that God has, has called us to in Scripture, we'd, we'd be happy to help get you started, right? Again, I'm slightly unwell this morning, so um, after, in just a moment, actually, after the 
the band's going to come back up, I'll pray, and then I'm going to ha- ask Terry to come up, and uh, she'll probably come down here so I won't be breathing on her. We just want to pray for her and then, then the stuff, but <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to leave so that I don't share any of this with you. But if you want to talk to me about any of this, my phone number and email are easy to find on the website. But also, in a moment, um, I'll cue our, our, any of our elders are in the room. We'll come down here, and they're all more than qualified to have that conversation with you. Right? If you're ready to stop running from accountability and start running towards a life that is a witness to what Jesus has done, we want to have that conversation with you. And let me pray as we, as we transition. Father, thank you for this time, and, and thank you. As difficult as it is, I, I, none of what I've said this morning suggests that I find accountability easy or fun, um, but I have tasted the, the benefits according to your goodwill and mercy. And so, Father, as, as we consider that, um, help us to, uh, to get over the fear of rejection that may come from that. If I confess my sin, maybe they won't love me. Well, if that's true, then, then, you, then we need to talk to that person, <laughs> too. <coughs> Father, help us here at Heartland to continue to develop a culture where it is safe to be accountable to one another, ultimately for your honor and your glory. And Father, this morning as we uh, kind of move back into worshiping you through song, for those that um, I may feel some impulse to, to talk to someone about this now, um, help them to feel comfortable to talk to one of our elders Um, And and, and as we continue in worship, we pray that it is a, a pleasing aroma offered to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.